The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We're going to look at a psalm today. We're going to look at Psalm 139. I know that doesn't say Psalm 139, but that's where we're going to go uh, in a couple minutes. After I, after I mess around for just a couple minutes, i got a couple of goofy things here, and then we're going to take a look at that passage of Scripture. Uh, first goofy thing is, and I know pastors you know, probably shouldn't stand up and say this at the beginning, I can't find my Bible anywhere. Uh, I, I thought for sure that it was here because I couldn't find it at home. I got here and I couldn't find it. The only Bible I could find in my closet was this, uh, it's called The Way. It's from the 1970s. My brother gave me one of these. It's a paraphrase that I've had since then. And every picture in here is somebody that looks like a character from that 70s show. Uh, they have the plaid pants and everything like that. And I'm not really going to read from it because I have all the verses up here. But I wanted to carry a Bible up here, and this is all I could find. So I, I call it my hippie Bible. Uh, and uh, so, so we're going with that. But um, I was... Um, I don't know if anybody else, I get amazed at the uh, the studies that are done. You know, they'll say, studies show this and studies show this. Some of the studies are so incredibly stupid, it's unbelievable. Well, I started off by looking up, uh, I said, what are the most popular psalms in the, in the Bible? And, you know, somebody, and there were like, a, I mean, probably seven different studies that had the top five psalms that people like rated. By the way, number one psalm in every list was... 23, that's right, Psalm 23, that's at the top of everybody's list. After that, it changed a little bit, so I kind of took a few lists and I averaged it together. This one actually comes in third. Psalm 139 is the third favorite psalm of people. We're, we're going to look at that. But I, I just, I got thinking, who does these studies? I, I, I don't know. And then I, some of you might have seen M&Ms were in the news this week for some weird stuff. But uh, I just thought, I wonder if anybody has ever done a study on what people's favorite flavor of M&M is. So, uh, so I'm looking that up, and not only do they have studies on what the favorite flavors are, but apparently you can determine a lot about your personality by the color that you choose. They've done these studies that, you know, different people with this personality choose this color. I picked blue, and I didn't look up what it meant because I thought I'd be pretty depressed about the whole thing. I thought it might say something ba bad about me. But, you know, they, they go through the, these different things. Well, anyway, I, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, Find out a little bit, you know, we've been looking at the Psalms, so I wanted to, uh, to look into uh, some of the more familiar Psalms, and this definitely is one. We're calling it Theology, which is the study of God 139, just because this, this Psalm gives us a great look at who God is. And although it is much more important that we know God than that we know about God, the two still go hand in hand. We want to know the truth about God so that we can know Him better. We'll, we'll explore that a little bit more. I uh, was thinking, uh, we have, an, and uh, I've been incredibly uh, blessed here because in, in the time that I've worked here, we've had, I'm going to use the word church secretary. I know that's a derogatory term now. I should say administrative assistant or person who really runs the place. I don't know. Uh, but uh, since I've been here, you know, I've Hannah Devlin uh, served for many years, and that was a huge uh, blessing, and now Stephanie Mullinex, a lot of you know, uh, works for us, and uh, and again, just an incredible blessing, but Stephanie has worked here a few years, and every once in a while, she'll text me and say, hey, my daughter's sick, or whatever like that, can I come in later, can I work from home, or whatever like that, I always send back a two-word response, you're fired, 
Uh, and uh, now, the thing about that is, Stephanie has gotten used to me over a few years, and I think she realizes she's not fired. Uh, and she probably thinks to herself, yeah, like you could make it without me. Uh, but uh, but any, anyway, but then I thought, poor Josh Galvin started work here this summer, and right after he started, uh, he, he Hannah, who was, I think at the time, 14 or 15 months pregnant, uh, and, and then she got sick. And, uh, you know, so Josh is like, you know, can I take the day off? <laughs> now, you'll be happy to know I did not say you're fired. Uh, I thought that he doesn't know me well yet, well enough yet to, to do that. Now, I'm starting to get to the place where I can do a little bit more things like that. In fact, sorry, I told you I wanted to goof around a little bit at the, at the beginning here. But uh, we, had, uh, we were in the office today, uh, th- I'm sorry, this week. Three of us were in there, and they were going through the offering from Sunday. And someone had put a card in there that said Dan and Francis. And uh, I opened it up, and it was a very nice, thoughtful card. By the way, I have to take a side for a second. This church is incredible uh, as far as giving. I, oh, I never did an end-of-the-year update. Uh, just real simple. We're about over $20,000 last year, more than what we sent out, came in. Then the year we were able to send $4,000 to the patents in Hungary to uh, get their uh, audio-visual up and going there in their new church, and uh, plus we have a great start for the roof fund and just so many things. Uh, So thankful for that. Uh, Yesterday's participation in bringing things in. I did want to mention this. Jan Rutten, I know you watch at home most of the time. Uh, I never got a piece of your blueberry pie. Just wanted to say that. Uh, no pressure whatsoever. It's not like I'd be asking you to make a whole nother pie for me because that would be just rude. But, uh, but anyway, just the, the, the giving is overwhelming. But anyway, we're going through the offering, and this card comes in. And I open it up, and it's a, it's a nice note, and it's anonymous, and it has $100 in it. You know, so I'm standing there going through and, and, and looking at that. And then Stephanie hands one. She says, oh, Josh, you have one, too. So, uh, so Josh starts to open up his card, and uh, you know, I said, "Hey, I got a hundred, Josh. You ought to at least get twenty-five. Uh, uh, this thing." So, kidding. Uh, so he starts opening up, and then I said, "I don't know why this popped in mind." I said, "Just so you know, if there's more than a hundred in there, you're fired." And uh, and, so, and I kind of grabbed it out of his hand. And I started to look at it and uh, count it. There was hundred thirty bucks in there. Uh, <laughs> I was like, "Really?" Uh, <laughs> So, but I've been having a good time harassing them through the week about, you know, you know, I was told I was taking my wife out to eat, but we'd go somewhere nice, but I didn't get quite as much money as you, you know, that, that type of thing. But I think he's finally starting to learn that if I say things like that, he doesn't have to worry. Uh, my point is, the better he gets to know me, the more he can understand a little bit. And, and I have, you know, a twisted mindset. You know, some of you, have, I've said this before, my mindset about friendship is that, and, and don't, you, some of you are going to be offended, but, uh, you know, a, a, a friend is somebody, if you slip and fall, they're there to help you up. And a good friend is somebody, if you slip and fall, they're there to help you up and then, you know, kind of stay and make sure you're okay. But a best friend is somebody who gives you a little kick and says, do walk much? Uh, you know, I'm kind of a little bit of that mindset, so, uh, so learning like that. But my, my point I want to make is, as we talk about knowing God, why it is so important that we know Him and we understand Him is because <laughs> there is a god place filter on all of our lives. And... Uh, We'll look at that in just a minute, and to interpret life in understanding who He is and knowing Him is crucial. So that is why our study and our look at Psalm 30, 139 is so important today. So, first of all, uh, let's go ahead and jump right in here with verse number one. The psalmist, and it is David this time, uh, O Lord, you have searched me, you know me. 
You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Just as we uh, look at that, that the word Lord, when you see it like that in all capital letters, it, it was really the, the Hebrew name, you know, Yahweh in there. It was seen as so incredibly holy uh, when you see it like that, that, that they wouldn't even speak it in most situations or write it. And, uh, but it says, God, you, the, the God, you, uh, you know me. Uh, you know me inside out. And just if we can stop for a moment, you know, everything that is in here, our everyday stuff, our getting up, our, our sitting down, and our, all our ways, our speech, everything like that, if we could try to digest that for a minute, just that God is interested in our everyday lives. Okay, just that we can try to embrace that, that God is interested in my everyday life. Um, there was a, there's a fellow that preaches around town here. He was at Bethel for a long time uh, by nicknamed Bob Lorenz. Some of you have probably heard uh, Dr. Bob preach. And uh, now I think he still preaches occasionally at GCC. But he, um, I used to always hear, you know, I, was, I lived around town. I, oh, Bob Lorenz, he's wonderful. He's wonderful, greatest guy ever. You know, everybody loved Bob Lorenz. One time we had him come and preach at our church. And I remember people lining up afterwards to talk to him. And, you know, I was kind of like, well, what's the deal uh, with that? Later on that week, I saw him sitting in Martin's, and he was sitting there reading or working on something, and I was rude enough to go over and bother him. And, and I walked over and I said, hey, I just you preached our church on Sunday. I want to thank you. And he stopped, and he put his book down, and he looked at me in the eyes, and he started to ask questions about me. And he showed this incredibly intense interest just in me. Like, you know, and I felt like, hey, you know, I'm like the only guy in the world right now. And he just met me. And I realized why this was a life of so much influence is that that's what he did. He focused on caring about people and showing an interest. You know how when you're telling a story, you can tell nobody cares about it. You know, it's kind of hard to go on. But, but for him, his focused attention there, if we can realize right here that God is all about our everyday lives. He's into, he's into er, everything as far as we are concerned, and he's interested in everything going on. Even before word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it all together. You've hemmed me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me, not a hand of oppression, but a hand of grace, you know, that, that touch that, that is there. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. I can't even wrap my mind around the fact that, God, you care about every detail of my life. The psalmist is saying there. But that uh, is verse number five. You hem me in behind and before. Some of you might have a translation that uses the word hedge there. You build a hedge. In the culture at that time, to protect the vineyard, they would build a hedge uh, of protection around to filter everything out, a hedge with thorns and everything like that to protect. That's really what that means. As far as hemming me in doesn't mean to trap me, but it means to protect me, uh, put, the, uh, put the, uh, you know, the guard up around me. And that's why I say, and this truth is, is often hard to digest in our mi mixed up, messed up world, but there is a God filter on our lives. And everything that happens in our life has gone through that God filter, uh, that hedge that he has put around us. So the first characteristics of God that we focus on is his omniscience, that he is omniscient, that he knows it all. And we, re we, we remember this even in the way that we, uh, that we interpret life. Um, there's a... Uh, Stacy, my friend, sits up here, drives a bus for Edwardsburg. I, I have done that some too. Uh, most of you are probably aware of this. Those buses have cameras. They're, are they on all the time? Okay. 
Yeah, that's not good. Uh, you know, okay, like if you're driving the bus by yourself, they're on. Okay, someday, yeah, someday that's going to be a funny show. Because when I, I'm driving the bus by myself, I'm still talking and singing and everything else like that. that that's, that's, not, that's not really a good thing. But I, and that, yeah, it kind of creeps you out, that idea that you're always being watched. Yeah, yeah, it's always there. Some of you experience that in different places. You know, there's always a set of eyeballs on you. I, I can't handle that. God is always watching, but if we could see it more accurately, I think we would not see it as the camera that is watching to see when we mess up, but we would see it as the uh, baby monitor. You know, you know what I'm talking about? We never, you know, here, here we are, my daughter, everywhere she goes, you know, she's got the baby monitor. Uh, I think she's breathing differently. Uh, I'm going to go in there and check on there. You know, if we could see that God's eyes are upon us, his omniscience, his knowing everything is in that very sense because of who he is. Let's read a little bit further in Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If, my, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. I want to stop for just a second with a quick explanation note. Some of your Bibles, actually, translations might even use the word hell there for Sheol. And people say, well, wait a minute, I didn't think God was in hell, but if God is everywhere, is he in hell? How does that work? Um, I think the uh, uh, logical explanation of that, uh, first of all, by the way, a lot of people think that this is referring to the afterlife here, not so much hell itself. But uh, as I studied that and looked into that a little bit this week, the thought of many theologians is that God's presence is in hell, but, it is, but God's presence in hell is restricted to his judgment. That's just a little side thought there in case you looked at that and wondered about that question. But he says basically here, if I take up wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, no matter where there, uh, your hand shall lead me uh, and uh, your right hand shall hold me. If I say surely the darkness shall cover me and the light is all about uh, me by night, even darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. The darkness is as light to you. So the second characteristic we see of God is that he is indeed everywhere, which means very simply, I have a God who knows me inside out. He's omniscient. He knows me better than I know myself, and he is always with me. Okay, we sang that this morning. And uh, so even at a time, and, and we, we, I was trying to think of the song we sing around here sometimes, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't sense it. And there are times you see that the psalmist writes too. He says, I don't, uh, he, he says, I got to, you know, where are you? And uh, what, this, but he, what he realizes here is that God is everywhere. And he's with, by the way, I, I should say this, because God is everywhere doesn't mean that God is everything. That's called pantheism. You know, when you think, yeah, God is everything. He's this rock. He's everything like that. God is unique and holy. He is separate from his creation, but God is everywhere, okay? And, and we can know that he is there even if it's, for some reason we do not sense that. Let's go on to verse number 13. For you formed me in inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to pause again just for a second here because when I read these verses about God shaping uh, somebody in their mother's womb, the, the question comes up, and it is very real to us, is the idea of birth defects. And you say, how, you know, what, how, how's that work? You know, what, what does that mean God is doing there? But, uh, you know, just to remember that um, injuries to God's design are part of our fallen world whether those injuries occur pre-birth or whether they occur after birth. 
uh, they, they, they become part of our fallen, they, and they are a result of our fallen world. But uh, the psalmist said, I praise you, I am fearfully wonderful made, wonderful are the works of your hands. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret parts, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book written, every one of them, the days that were, fo uh, that were formed for me the future, uh, when yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts. Okay, let me stop for a second here. The psalmist is saying, hey, you, you formed me. Uh, you're there in my past. You're there in my present. They're there in my future. You know all this. You're there, you're there along in your perfection. You are there all the way. That is so precious to me, God, that I think about that. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Uh, you know, other parts of Scripture, it, it talks about, you know, the, the, uh, God... Uh, numbering the very hairs on our head. You know, how intricately he loves us, how intricately he knows us, uh, everything about us. And uh, the psalmist writes, and he says, how precious are your thoughts to me. Again, when I start a text, I go through and I read it in some different translation, translations. And one of the ones said, how precious are your, your thoughts for me? And that idea of, is in there so very much too, that it is, he's looking and saying, how precious it is to me, God, that you care about me. This is amazing. You know, I'm overwhelmed by the fact that you care about me. I awake, and I am still with you. Uh, the third characteristic that I just want to remember is his omnipotence, uh, just when I think about him being the creator of everything. So we have a God who knows everything. We have a God who is everywhere. We have a God who can do anything. We'll come back to all those ideas in a second. I wanted to take a couple or... When I read the text that we just read about being fearfully and wonderfully made, I didn't want to ignore an issue, um, which is not the main point of the sermon today, but sometimes people look at Christians and they oh, you know, you're all about, you just anti-abortion. You just, I know what Christians are. They're the ones who are fighting against abortion, fighting against women's rights. And, and, and uh, I wanted to take a moment and as thoughtfully as I can kind of explain why Christians believe, in most cases, the way that they do about that, because, and, and please, if, you know, if I've pressed an angry button, uh, just try to stay with me just to think through this, what, what I'm going to say for a second here. I believe that our issue has really gotten clouded over the years, and I think if we think for a second logically about it, the key question has always been and will always be, what is the unborn? Now, uh, think with me for a second. Oh, I don't agree. Well, listen for just a moment. If I have a uh, two-month-old baby and I decide, yeah, this isn't working out, I don't like it, and, you know, that baby ends up in a dumpster or whatever like that and some of the stories that you hear, I don't think there's very many people who say, oh, I understand. I get it. It's mom's right. You know, it's her life too. You know, I... So the big question is not ab about rights of anybody, really, unless you want to talk about the rights of the unborn, I guess. But, but the big question is, what is the unborn? And, you know, we could go through scientifically and talk about the differences between a, a, a newborn and the unborn. And, uh, you know, size obviously is a different factor, but size has nothing to do with whether or not you're human. A uh, level of uh, de development, uh, you know, a 
three-year-old child is not developed to the extent of, a, of an adult, uh, you know, has no sexual organs or anything like that. So the level of development doesn't determine that somebody is alive or not or that somebody is human or not. Environment, one is in the womb, one is outside the womb. Well, environment doesn't really determine whether or not it's a living being. Uh, dependency, once again, you take a newborn child, they cannot make it on their own. They're completely dependent still. Uh, so, so we can look at that from that scientific perspective. But just so you know, why do we look at this from a biblical perspective, why is that such a big deal? Because, again, it is this question right here. And this text, Psalm 139, is one that tells us very plainly that it is you that is in the womb. God knits you together. And, and hopefully, hopefully I'm coming across, my spirit is not argumentative, my spirit is not condemnatory. Did I say that right? Uh, word here. But I thought if we could just stop and logically think for a second, I just kind of wanted to explain it as we go through that text. The reason why a lot of times you think, oh, Christians are anti-abortion. Well, you know, and, and not all of them behave themselves very well regarding that. But at the same time, I want you to understand why is because God says, I knit you together. That's you. Okay. That is you. That is a person. And that really is the question. So my conclusion, honestly, is if you disagree, if you say, well, I'm totally for abortion, I will assume that you feel differently about this, what the unborn is. Because I don't think there's anybody who's saying, oh, yeah, it's a living thing. We can kill it. It's a human. It's a potential human. Well, if it's a potential human, what is it now? And uh, I will assume that you just do not believe that the unborn is a human being. Because otherwise, is that... Does that seem logical? I mean, think logically. Maybe that's out of my league, thinking logically. But, uh, but I, I thought that. Now, let's, uh, let's read on a little further in the psalm. Oh, that you would say, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, watch his tone here. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh, God. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against me with all malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them completely. Hatred, I count them as enemies. We used to, okay, this will, I don't know what side of this I'll reveal here. But uh, I, I've, I've mentioned before, my wife and I have a pretty good deal. I, she's gone to some football games with me. She does take her book. I have gone to some musicals with her. And I'm going to confess something in front of God and everybody here right now. There's a couple of them I've actually enjoyed. I wouldn't mind going to again. One of them is uh, I actually liked Hamilton. We went to Hamilton a couple years for her birthday. I thought that was pretty good. I didn't expect to. You know, I thought I'm not really, believe it or not, I'm not really into rap. Uh, I know. Uh, but, uh, but I actually enjoyed that. And then I also like Wicked. Some of you have heard that. If you've never seen it, you're like, he likes Wicked. I'm out of here. Uh, but uh, I thought it was pretty good to Pretty good little musical. There is a song in there that I love to sing where they sing about loathing. It goes, loathing, unadulterated loathing. Uh, but, uh, but I get that song in my head, and, and this is terrible. I used to have somebody in my life that every time I'd walk past them, I'd hum it. Uh, like you say, you really need to grow up. Yes, I do. I, I realize that completely. But the point is that I wanted to make is there are some things. Let's think logically about what the, the psalmist is saying here again. There are some things from which we learn in Scripture, but we don't imitate what they do. And I got to tell you, this is one of those things we don't imitate. Okay? I don't, I'm going to hate you. <laughs> you know? uh, and I say that because of the context of all of Scripture. We are not to return evil for evil. We are not to live with hate in our lives and, and, and dominate like that. However, we are to learn from it. And what is it that we learn from the, what the psalmist said about evil? 
basically, we remember that to love God and to love good is to hate evil, okay? Uh, to, to understand it like that, somebody has said it is important that we, turn my page, uh, is it, it is important that we do not hate men on account of their vices or that we love their vices on account of men. Is that, that sound like, that's actually a Charles Spurgeon quote. It's important that we don't hate men because of their vices. It's important that we don't love their vices because we love them. Okay, if that if that makes some good sense in going through there, and I think that fits better with all of Scripture as far as that goes. Now, let me go to the uh, the last couple verses of the chapter. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. God, I want to be an open. I want, I, I want to be an open book before you. And if there be any grievous way in me, uh, uh, lead me in the way everlasting. Um, I. <laughs> Sorry, I got, got a bunch of asides today, but I did want to mention this, too, that I've said before, but I want the congregation to be well aware of this. I realize that I am not trained in counseling, okay? And counseling is a skill that needs to be developed and worked on to know the right questions, ask everything like that. Now, when I say that, I am always, you need to talk to somebody, I am always willing to listen. And uh, whether that be an addiction, whether that be a marriage problem, uh, I am always willing to sit down and listen uh, and do anything that I can to be a help. But uh, in a lot of cases, I might try to shepherd you in a different direction. I, I did want to mention this, too. Our, our church began uh, to support a, a group uh, from Osceola called the Michiana Biblical Counseling Center. In fact, I have a meeting with the leader of that coming up here in we in this coming week on Tuesday, and some week we might have him come in and tell a little bit about that, that ministry, because I do think that it is incredibly va valuable ministry, and I, I want you guys to have access to it, and like I said, I do want you to know uh, I will do what I can. Here, here's what I can do sometimes. Sometimes uh, I'll pick on uh, James and Jen over here for a second. They come in for counseling, and, they, and they're, uh, they're just going at it. Well, uh, there's probably some deep-seated problems that we need to dig into, guys, just so you know. Uh, but before we do that, here's what the pastor's going to tell you the first time. Hey, just so we have something we're working on, I always try to say, hey, uh, let's try to find one thing. And, uh, Jen, would you, would you tell James one thing that he could do? Just one. Jen, put that list away. Uh, right now, you know, the wives are like, ah, I got off your thing. Uh, like that. I want you to give him one thing that would make you feel loved if he began to do this. And then, James, I want you to do the same thing for her, okay? Now, I, the reason I, one thing. Okay, let me say that again. One thing, okay? Don't hit him with the whole list. The reason I mention that is I think as we pray to God and we say, search me, O God, and know my heart, God is revealing to all of us some things. God, I want to know if there's something, a grievous way, if there's something that grieves you. I believe that God is incredible, and this is somewhat just from personal experience, but God is incredibly gracious in that is that he doesn't dump it all on me at once. <laughs> oh, boy, boom. Uh, it's all right. There's so many, and if we could remember that we're all on that journey, in other words, uh, hey, you might be working on, uh, you know, God might be, have revealed to you the need to gossip less, and you're working on that. But in the meantime, uh, there's another of your life that is kind of glaring, and we think, God ought to reveal that to her, uh, like that. So if we could look and, and just remember that, that journey that we're all on, and God is graciously, as we say, God, would you show me the evil way, the things in my life that you don't want there, I want you to remember that God doesn't dump it all. 
I, I don't know, that, that's the experience I've had. I, I'm, I'm thinking many of you have had that same experience. And that way we are patient sometimes with other people, realizing that God is revealing things to them, and they are growing at their pace. Okay, all right, now, I want to wrap all this up with this. Um, if you... <laughs> few years ago, well, uh, I think the first year that I was here as pastor, so somewhere around eight years ago, I had a friend invite me to a men's conference, and he said, this men's conference is like nothing you've ever gone to, but he wouldn't tell me anything about it. That's kind of the deal, but I trusted him, and I went to this men's conference. I've got to tell you, weirdest thing I've ever been part of. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was, there was a lot of like getting in touch with your inner self. I didn't want in touch with my inner self. Uh, I really could have avoided that. I'd, I'd have been fine. So, uh, but there was a lot of, of different parts of it that really pushed me outside of my comfort zone, and it was good, but, but it really pushed me outside of my comfort zone. I wasn't crazy about it. But I remember we did this one exercise the first night, and it was, when I say night, I mean, I, they didn't tell you what time it was. Uh, I don't know what time it was, but it was dark. Uh, and I think it was about 2 or 3 in the morning. We got this exercise where you got a team of men, and a lot of the men had to pick up this telephone pole, and they had to journey it on a course. And you only had one person on your team that was allowed to look at the map. Okay? Yeah, that was really irritating. Uh, but uh, but I, I remember that because one team actually did go into some water. <laughs> the guy with the map wasn't too good. Uh, and I said, wait, are we supposed to be out here? Because <laughs> this pole ain't floating. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I remember that, that, that idea of uh, having to trust somebody, the person that actually had the map, the person that actually could see what was going on. I, I've mentioned here before that one of the challenges in my life is when I learned that, that uh, if I have to choose between trying desperately to please God and trying desperately to trust God, this is the direction I want to go. I want to work on my trust for Him because the pleasing follows that. But you can be over here doing all the things that you're supposed to do without ever learning to trust God. And I have been there many times in my life, so, I, so I'm aware of that. And by the way, this road's easier. Give me a list. Now, this idea of trusting that's, that's, that's pretty tough there, uh, you, you know, so often as we think about that. But when I realize, I stop and I realize he's the one who knows my future. He's the one who knows my past. He's the one who knows me in and out. He is the one in the car who's already been there. Wait, wait, you've been here. Can you, can you help me? You know, you, you've been down this road. Uh, you know, he is the one that knows it full well. He definitely is the one that is holding the map. So God wants me to trust him. You know, I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that getting a new car and fighting with the automatic steering thing. Got to say this. If over the next however long I'm still kicking and driving a car, if the self-driven cars become the thing, I, I'm just I'm going to struggle with it. Now, some of you are probably like, yeah, I can't wait to have a self-driving car. That would be cool. I am not sitting in that car with my hands off the wheel. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. So, uh, so, so you know, di different. Um, I would imagine the day is coming when everybody does, but, uh, but I'm going to have a real hard time with that because I like to have my hands on the steering wheel. You know, the old Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. That's a tough, <laughs> that's a tough sometime. Uh, you know, just to say, God, you know, this is yours. I got it. And the whole concept of trusting God is so much more the key than pleasing God or, or you know what I mean, trying to say, well, I'm going to walk the line, uh, learning to trust God. And as we learn more about Him, as we learn to know not only about Him, but we learn to know Him, uh, this is going to 
you know, strengthen our ability, increase our faith and our ability to trust him. I'm going to pray, and we, we have, if you are by any chance viewing at home, you want to hang around uh, after prayer, don't, uh, don't go get a donut now. Uh, Father, uh, thank you. Um, Lord, we want to know you better, Lord. May that be the focus of our lives that we come, so, so that indeed we can trust you. Well, uh, that didn't come out right, God. I mean, we can trust you. I know that. But our faith where it is weak, Lord, help us to know. <sighs> help us to know and believe that you know what's going on, that, you, that you've got things uh, when we struggle with that, Lord. Uh, would you strengthen us in that way? I'm praying. And Lord, help us to continue to be students of you and uh, so that we grow in our knowledge and, uh, and in our trust, I pray in your name. Amen. Okay, one more thing that we're going to do today, uh, and then maybe, maybe close with a song, I, I don't know. But um, most, most of you are aware um, our worship pastor um, went to heaven uh, a week ago and uh, had the funeral here yesterday. Uh, Danielle, uh, his wife, has asked me if she could say a few words. Uh, to you all, and uh, I said, are you sure? <laughs> because I wouldn't be, uh, but I said, that certainly, so, uh, so I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to get you this microphone, Danielle, and I'm going to be the creepy old guy in the background and sit on Barry's stool back there. Okay, so this is definitely a little bit out of my comfort zone, um, but I feel that it needs to be said. Um, so a little bit of a backstory. Um, Jeremy and I made a habit of praying each night together before we went to sleep. Um, and specifically, um, a couple months before he got sick, um, our prayers focused around um, asking God to just use us. Um, we didn't know how we would be used. We didn't have any specifics on how he would use us. Um, we asked God to specifically use this church to um, just be the hands and feet in the body of Christ. Um, and... Um, over the last couple months, or the last couple months, um, just speaking with him, um, he was really worried about um, how I was, how the kids were, how things were going at home, and I was just able to continue to just reassure him over and over and over that every need has been met. That um, so many people have reached out, um, not just within the four walls of this church, but the body of Christ as a whole. Um, just all over, like many states, like so many people were pulling together, praying and um, just blessing our family in so many ways. And um, he couldn't believe that. Like when I was visiting him, I'd tell him over and over, you know, how taken care of we were, um, just how blessed we were and how people have just reached out and helped us. And he would just shake his head and grin and disbelief. And um, Towards the end of December, um, so he was in isolation for 20 days. I wasn't able to visit him. And um, towards the end of December, um, we, had been, we had been talking on the phone a lot, but I, there was times where um, he wasn't able to talk because he was on the BiPAP, and so we had sent a lot of texts. And um, we specifically led into a conversation, you know, about, um, you know, okay. I told him, I can't believe someone so did this today. Like, it's just amazing. You wouldn't believe it. And um, he sent me a text, a few, a series of texts that I just wanted to share with you guys. Um, one was, I think we get through all this, and God is going to have you and I write a book together about this experience and how the church is alive, and it is our job to promote and grow it and recognize it better. 
Um, he said, well, I'm pretty sure that is part of the word I got from him today. More will come, but I needed to share that with you. Um, he went on to say, I see you being so strong. I'm proud of you, and I love you. I know you have thoughts and moments like me in here, but God is working. I can feel it. He will sustain us and reveal his full plan for this. He will use this for his glory, and we will let him use us, whatever that looks like. And <laughs> I wish it didn't look like it does right now, but I feel like he has definitely used us, and he has used this church. And he has used his church um, throughout all over the place. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you. I want to thank everybody who has reached out, who has blessed our family, who has been there through all of this. Um, I can never thank you enough. I went through cards last night, and I just thought, how in the world am I going to write thank you notes to all these people? I just don't, I don't, it's just, it's overwhelming. Like, so many people, and I reiterated over and over to him like you would not believe like just so many people so many people out there who are believers who have pulled together to just um, be there for us and so I want to thank you I want to thank everybody and um, I just proudly can say that the body of Christ and the church is not dead it's alive and well and it's at work and um, I just want to encourage you to continue to be the body of Christ um, and just continue that work um, because I believe he's at work. He's at work in this church, and he's at work in the body as a whole. Just, just thank you, guys. Thank you. I told you that'd be worth staying for. That was better than anything I had to say, wasn't it? You can amen. Um, I, want, I, I did want to say this. Uh, every little thing, many little things that I got to be a part of as far as uh, helping their family, I, I got to thank you for all, including last night. And uh, can we just say as a whole, Daniel, we, we know how thankful you are. You don't have to thank us so, because we, yeah. So I don't want to feel like everybody gets a thank you note or any, any, anything like that. Uh, but I, I also am thankful for the body of Christ. And, uh, and I am thankful for, I would say the story you've already written there. And uh, the impact of Danielle and Jeremy on my life. Uh, so I'm thankful for that. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church. Or call us at 269 663 Twenty-six forty-eight. Thank you for listening.